In case you haven't heard, um, he's risen. And that's what we celebrate today. Um, thank you for coming. We, um, after the service, like I mentioned, we'll have the Easter egg hunt for the kids. For those of you who are watching online, uh, we're going to have communion uh, after the uh, service, and uh, we'll extend the broadcast part of it so you can be a part of that as well. Today, we celebrate a resurrected Savior. And often, we focus on the stone that was rolled away. This past week, my wife and I uh, have spent uh, the week, actually, last Sunday after the service, uh, we flew out uh, to Denver and then uh, have spent the week in Moab, Utah. And so we have been uh, surrounded by stones and rocks. Uh, some of the most beautiful, honestly, some of the most beautiful things uh, I've seen, we were able to see this week in visiting Arches National Park and Canyonland and um, Dead Horse State Park. And uh, I was just surrounded by rocks. I mean, everywhere. There's rocks everywhere. There's carn, little carns set up in, in different places. And uh, some of the, Gene and I just had a, a great time being able to just get away and relax and, and focus on that. We've actually been, at, the trip's actually been two years in the planning. We had it all set up for last year and it got canceled. And uh, so we rebooked it in order to be able to do it this year. And uh, in, in light of being surrounded by that all week and in light of uh, uh, this idea of the, the stone that was rolled away that we so often focus on on the Easter story, I started thinking about stones in the Bible and, and, and rocks and, and places in the Bible that uh, the Bible talks about that. And it's amazing when you look at that as a theme. You see it as early as the, the story of Jacob who takes a pillow, a rock as a pillow, and then builds an altar that, we known as, that becomes known as Bethel. Um, you see Moses taking uh, water from a rock. You see the priest's breastplate when God designs the breastplate for the, the priest in the tabernacle um, with rocks and stones, uh, 12 specific ones chosen just for that. And you see Israel, when they cross into the promised land, there's 12 stones set up as a memorial, both in the river and, and, and on the bank. Um, you see in the New Jerusalem the idea of, of the, the, the stones that are mentioned in the New Jerusalem. You see Jesus when he's here talking about Peter as a rock or a stone. And so you, of course, then come to the resurrection and we focus on the stone that was rolled away. But this morning, I want to talk about a stone that Jesus talked about that ties itself to the Easter story, but it's not a stone that we often think of. Last week, I challenged you to read either every day or to read one chapter a day through the week of between Psalm 113 and Psalm 118. And the reason I wanted you to do that is because it plays such a vital role in the, in the Easter story. In the Jewish world, um, that passage from Psalm 113 to Psalm 118 is known as the Hulel. You just sang, Alleluia, Hallel. Hallelujah. That's where it comes from. The idea is to praise the Lord. And when you look at the psalm, Psalm 113 to Psalm 118, you see that throughout the psalm. If you were in the Jewish faith and tradition, you should understand that on 18 different occasions throughout the year, you would either sing all or parts of Psalm 113 to Psalm 118. There are only two Jewish holidays, and they're not holidays, but two Jewish celebrations 
um, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur in which they don't refer to Psalm 113 to Psalm 118. The reason for that is those are considered solemn days in the Jewish faith. The reason I say that is because what I want you to understand is that every Jewish person in the time of Christ knew this passage. They would say it on 18 different occasions every year. So this is something that was just, it was just, it was just secondary. It was second nature to them. And we don't understand it because we're, we're not steeped in the Jewish faith that way. But we talked about this last year and how it applied to the Palm Sunday story, um, the triumphal entry story. And you're going to see this morning how it plays out into the Easter resurrection story. So with that in mind, um, let me run you through the last week of Christ up to where we are. We talked about this last week. On Saturday, uh, you would have had uh, Jesus being anointed. On Sunday, you had Palm Sunday, or the, the triumphal entry with the palm trees and the donkey and all that. We talked about that last week. Then on Monday, Jesus went into the temple area. He cleansed the temple area. Uh, he curses a fig tree, and that story plays out. And then we come to Tuesday, which is the day we're going to talk about this morning. Um, and on Tuesday, what happens is uh, Jesus is going to have the, 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 the Mount Olivet Discord. But before that, he's going to confront the Pharisees. And so leading up to the passage we're going to look at this morning, here's the background. The Pharisees are, they, they need to get rid of Jesus, but they just don't know how to do it. And they're, they're, they're trying to figure it out. So they're always trying to question Jesus and, and back him into a corner. And so in the passage that we're going to look at this morning, what happens is Jesus backs them into a corner. And they're questioning him and everything else. Jesus says, hey, guys, I've got a question for you. John's baptism, was it of God or not? Because they asked Jesus, they said, hey, by what authority are you doing all this stuff? You went in and cleansed the temple, you came in on a, on a triumphal entry, by what authority? Who gives you the right to do what you're doing? And Jesus said, okay, wait a minute, before I answer your question, I got a question for you. And they often did this in this culture. He said, John's baptism, was it from God or not? Now, the Pharisees knew they were backed into a corner because if they said it was from God, then the question is, then why, aren't, why didn't you follow him? And if they said it wasn't from God, then what they were saying is John wasn't a prophet and the people would turn on him. So backed into a corner, the Pharisees look at Jesus and they say, well, we're just not sure. And Jesus said, well, since you're not sure, then why am I, would I tell you by what authority I do this? And then Jesus goes into two parables. And we're in a series here on Sundays on the parables of Christ, and we'll eventually get to these, but I'm just going to highlight them this morning to lay the background of where we're going. And the first, question, the first one is, he says, let me ask you guys a question. He said, a, a, a father comes to his kids, and he says, hey, I need you to go do this. And the first kid says, no, not going to do it. And the second kid says, yeah, I'll do it. Now, the difference is, the one kid says, I won't do it, but then he decides to go and do it. The other guy says, um, I will do it, but he doesn't do it. And so Jesus looks at him and he says, which one did the will of the Father? They go, well, actually, the one who said he wouldn't do it and then went and did it, he did the will of the Father because he was obedient. Good answer. Let me tell you another parable. 
He goes right into this next parable. He says, here's the parable. There's a guy who owns land, and he's leased it out for somebody else to farm it. And when it comes time for the rent to be due, he sends one of his servants to go collect the rent, and they beat him, and they don't give him the rent. And he said, and then they come back all beaten up to the owner and tell him what happened, and they they say, then the owner says, well, I'll go send another servant. He says, another one, same thing happened. And he does this for a while, and then he finally says, you know what? Listen, they won't pay attention to that servants. Maybe they'll pay attention to my son. And I say, he sends his son, and they kill him. And Jesus asks a question. Okay, so what should happen now? <laughs> That's easy. Wipe those guys off the face of the planet. Let somebody else rent the land. That's where we pick up our story. And listen to what Jesus says. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in scriptures, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. You know where this is out of? Psalm 118. 18 times a year, every Jew talked about this passage. Jesus is looking at the Pharisees, the religious rules of the day, and he says, Hey guys, have you ever read this? Have you ever read this? The stone which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it's marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God, just like the parable he just told, will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. Anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parable, they knew he was talking about them. They looked for a way to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowd because the people held that he was a prophet. From this point on in the story of Jesus, the Pharisees and the chief priests realized our only solution to this guy is get rid of him. That's why everything, that's why the trials are so secret, the seven unfair trials. That's why they take him in a garden at night, not during the day when he's around everybody. Because they had to figure out a way to get rid of this guy because he was a threat. And what Jesus said in this passage is, look, the stone which the builders rejected is the cornerstone. Now, we have to understand the cornerstone concept. And then the cornerstone in the ancient building world was the first stone that was set whenever you built a building. Now, it's not so important in our culture today as it was during this time. But that cornerstone was was was. They would reject a lot of stone because that stone had to be almost perfect. In fact, in the pagan temples, actually, when they set the cornerstone, they actually set it in, in light of the stars. They actually went off the stars to figure out its orientation. They had to face certain ways because they understood that everything in that temple, everything in that building was coming off of that stone. In fact, in some of the pagan cultures, what they would do is after they set that stone, they would actually make a sacrifice on that stone. It was that important. It was that sacred of, of a part of a building. You know, today we, we, we hide stuff in it and we put time capsules in them and stuff like that. And it's, it's not so much, archi- it's more architectural than it is actually um, designed for the engineering part of the building. But in this culture, that stone was everything. That stone determined the direction of everything. Everything came off of that stone. And so in trying to pick what the cornerstone is, a lot of times they would look at different rocks it was like my wife and I. We wanted to build a carn. You know what a carn is? Carn is a, 
You'll see them in Alaska too. It's, it's a, it's a bunch of rocks that are stacked on top of each other and look like they're balanced and they'd fall off, but they're not. So we kept seeing these and I'm like, well, we ought to make one of these. So we actually went, uh, the cabin, we actually went around and picked up stones and it's like, okay, that stone, no, that stone won't work. That's too big. That's odd. That's it. And we, we each made our little own, brought back our own little carn, um, that we made. And, and so there's a lot of stones that we would pick up and go, nope, not that one. Too big. Nope. Don't like that color. Da, 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 till we got the right stones. That's the idea behind the cornerstone. They would pick just the right stone for the entire building to be, to be orientated around. And this is what Jesus says. He says, look, the stone, him, who the builders rejected, the chief priests and the Pharisees, has become the cornerstone. That's become the foundation of all of this stuff. So here's the question this morning. What's the cornerstone for your life? What's it built around? See, you're building your life around something. Um, I, I talk to people, I, I know people that it's built around money. They want X number of dollars in order to be able to retire, and that's what they're focused on, and everything in their life is geared to that. I know people, some people, it's health. They want to be super healthy, and so they do all of these things in order to be super, super healthy. Uh, there are other people that, it's family. Everything in my world is going to be about my family. For some, it's careers. It's the next position. For some th- people, it's, it, it's whatever um, thing that they have set up. The question is, your, what you are setting your life around, what you are building your life upon, ultimately determines not only your direction, but ultimately your destination. Um, Andy Stanley says it this way, and I, I love this principle. It's called the principle of path. Here's what he said. Decision not intention, determines your direction. Direction determines your destination. My wife and I made a decision years ago that we, we have a bucket list place of places that we want to visit. And we decided <clears throat> we're not going to wait till we retire. We're going to do it now. After this trip, I'm convinced that was the right decision. Because when I retired, there's no way I could have done some of the hikes we did. So I'm doing it now while I'm young. So... So, and I know that's relative, but anyway. So, you know what I mean. But, so anyway, so, so, but we made the decision. There's a lot of places we've intended to go, but we made the decision to go to Moab. And so that determined our direction. So when I got on a plane last Sunday, I got on a plane to take me to Denver to be able to rent a car to be able to drive to Moab. Guess where I ended up? Moab. Why? Decision, direction, destination. That's important. It's important for us to understand that. That's what Jesus is trying to get across to these people. He's trying to get them to understand this. So if you know me, you know that I am a visual learner. So I'm going to illustrate this this morning as best as I know how. And I'm going to preface it with this idea. Children, do not attempt this at home. Adults, don't you attempt it at home either, unless you're really comfortable with this. But I want to try to illustrate this so you understand um, what it is Jesus is saying when he talks about this passage of the cornerstone which the builders rejected. All right? So here's the idea. Get it all here and we're good to go. All right. So here's, yeah, here's the idea. Okay. 
In the world of the Pharisees, the Pharisees had a system on which they had built their life. So I'm going to let this illustrate the foundation that the Pharisees set. The Pharisees believed in the Old Testament law. They believed in the teaching of the rabbis. So they built their life around those things. So when, for instance, when they would harvest out of their garden, what they would do is they would take the stuff in their garden, and the Old Testament taught that you should tithe, you should give 10%. So Jesus even says this. He says, you guys tied the mint and the anesthesia. He said, that's good, but you're missing the bigger stuff. In other words, what would happen is when, when they harvested their spices, they would literally take 10% off of their tiny little spices, and they'd take it to the temple. And Jesus said, okay, you're doing the law stuff. Because see, here's the thing. The Pharisees built their life around what they thought the Bible said they should do. And here's what's interesting. So should they give to people and help people? Yeah, they give to people and help people. Should they keep the Old Testament law and not kill and not murder and do all of those things? You bet. And so they built their whole life around this concept, this idea. Now, here's what's interesting. They're doing it because they want to gain favor with God. They're not giving and helping and serving in order to give and help and serve. They're giving and helping and serving so that one day, God's going to look at them and he's going to say, oh, all the good stuff you've done. But here's the reality. The reality is they did this good stuff for them. It was all about them. It was about them gaining favor with God. It was about them getting getting accolades and approval from God. They wanted God to be happy and to be satisfied with the works, the things that they had done. So when Jesus comes on the scene, and he does things like eats with publicans and sinners. How dare you? We're holy. We're righteous. We stay apart from people like that. You can't talk to a prostitute at the well. Are you kidding me? Don't you know? We don't have anything to do with those people because we're holy. We're righteous. This is how they built their life. So when Jesus comes along and Jesus doesn't fit with their preconceived ideas, they, re- they push him aside. What Jesus says in this passage is he said, I am the cornerstone. I need to be the foundation of your life. You've rejected me. And since you've rejected me, it will go to somebody who will appreciate it. The Gentiles, that's us. Okay? So I want to let these blocks represent. These are actually fire blocks. They're actually from a kiln. These are actually, um, I can put these up to 3,000 degrees heat, and it will not affect them at all. To give you guys, you'll like this. Stainless steel. Uh, melts at uh, 2,700 degrees. Gold melts at about 2,000. These things aren't touched by either one of those kind of temperatures. In fact, these are in excess of 3,000 feet, or 3,000 uh, degrees. Let these red rocks represent Jesus Christ. He says, I want to be the foundation. I want to be the cornerstone on which you build your life. So what I want you to do is I want you to put me at the foundation, not your works, not other ways, not religion, not your family, not all the other things. I want you to put me at the foundation for your life. So the goal for us as Christians who want to follow God is we want to serve God with our whole heart. So we want to do good things, but we're constantly trying to do things in order for God, in order for, uh, in order for God to be able to use us for his honor and his glory. So I want to, as a Christian, 
I want to give. I see somebody in need. I want to do something. Not so they look at me and go, hey, patch on the back good you gave here. Let's put a memorial on your wall for you so everybody knows how much you get. No, no, no. I want you to give anonymously. I want you to give secretly. I want you to give with a joyful heart. I want you to find somebody who's in need. I want you to just go help them. What am I going to get out of it? Nothing. It's not about you. It's not about you. I want you to, as you're sitting there working, you see your neighbor struggling with something, you come alongside and you go, hey, you know what? Can you use a hand here? I, I help you. You know what? I got this tool. You can borrow this tool. Hey, can I come over and help you with, with this in your, you know, you need that tree down, you need this done here? I, I'm going to come over and help you. Well, what do you want out of it? Nothing. I don't want anything. I just, it's an opportunity to serve. It's an opportunity to minister. I come along and I, I love this. This happened a couple of weeks ago. Somebody in church went and bought flowers. And they bought, while they were buying flowers, they bought another bundle of flowers, walked in the parking lot, found somebody who they could just give flowers to. Gave them flowers. What would you get out of it? Nothing. I got the joy of being able to give, do something for somebody else. No expectation of return. All of a sudden, you know somebody's going through a tough time, so you give them a call. You email them. Say, hey, look, how you doing? I just wish you know. I'm praying for you, thinking about you. Love you. You got somebody who's going through a hard time, and you know that things are struggling and whatever else, so you make them a nice meal. You drop it off. You decide that on, you're going to take the prayer list every week, and you're going to take that prayer list every week. You're going to pray. You're going to ask God to work and do things there. You're going to come into church, and you're going to go, you know what? Church isn't about me. Church is about other people. So you know what? I'm going to find somebody today. Before I walk out of this building, I'm going to find somebody encouraged. You know what? I'm going to find somebody that I can say, hey, you know what? I want you to know I'm praying for you. I'm going to go through my life, and I'm going to look, and I'm going to tell when, when I'm at a restaurant, and I have the opportunity to be a blessing to a waitress or a waiter. You know, if I get the opportunity to talk to him about Christ, that's awesome. But you know what? I'm not going to talk to him about Christ and say, oh, by the way, here's a dollar tip. You know what? No, I'm, I'm going to be generous because these are people who are serving me. I mean, I, I, I'm eating at the restaurant. I don't have to make the food. I don't have to cook the food. I don't have to clean up the food. They're going to do all that for me. Sure, I'll do something for them. Well, you know how expensive it is to go out? Then don't go out. It's very simple to me. Okay? That cashier, oh, here, I know what. It's this time of year coming up. Farmers, I'll get you on this one. You're nice to that parts guy who has ordered you the wrong part four times. <laughs> you look at them and you go, you know what, no big deal. We all have tough days. I know how the, the, the stuff goes. I'm kind and I'm generous and I help out. And so when I find somebody that's going through a rough deal, I, I, I do something in order to help them. I continually try to invest my life in other people. Not, it's not about me, it's about other people. So I build my life like that. There's a third type of person. They're different from these two. The third type of person says, you know what? I believe that Jesus Christ needs to be the foundation of my life. So I'm going to build my life around Jesus. I'm going to put Jesus Christ in the... Oop. See? There you go. I'm gonna, this has got to stay up for a reason. Okay. I'm going to build my life around... I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But that is just too much. I mean, I want to be a Christian, but I don't want to be like crazy Christian. Okay? You know, I, I, I'm going to kind of like, I'm going to go to church, 
But I'm not going to go to church in order to minister, to give, or to encourage. I'm going to go to church for me because I think that if I go to church, that God's going to look at me and say, now look, I know you could be camping on Sunday morning, but since you went to church, I'm going to be good to you this week. And you look at it and you go, okay, God, you know what? I could have used this money for me, but instead I gave it to my neighbor. So I don't really want to give it, but I did. So God, you should know that. God, pay attention here. I'm leaving a 25% tip. So God, I expect you to bless me this week. And they go through their life. And their focus, they have Jesus Christ as their Savior. There's no question about that. But the focus is not about serving others. The focus isn't about honoring God. The focus is what am I going to get out of this thing? And how am I going to live my life? Is Jesus Christ my foundation? Yes, Jesus Christ is my foundation. I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But I'm going to build my life on stuff that's about me. And that's what I'm going to do. Listen to what Paul says about this idea. <clears throat> For no one can lay the foundation other than that already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hair, straw, their work will be shown for what it is. Because the day will bring it to light. It'll be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If that which has been built survives, the builder receives reward. But if it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss. But yet he'll be saved, even though there's only one escaping through the flames. Here's what Paul teaches in this passage about this idea of foundation. In this life, or in the life to come, this is all going to be tested. Ultimately, every one of us will stand before God. When we stand before God, it's going to be put to the test. The things that are done, first of all, the first test is going to be what's the foundation. If it's not Jesus Christ, then God's going to say, depart from me. I don't know who you are. You've rejected me on earth. I'll reject you for eternity. For those of us that have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, what we have done is going to be tested as well. And we're either going to be left with something that lasts or something that doesn't. Now, relax. I'm not setting these on fire. Thought about it. So I got one of these. I also had map gas. I had to change it out propane. So, so God's going to take what we've done and he's going to put fire to it. You'll be okay. I have a fire extinguisher, two fire guys in here, and water up here, so we're good. He's going to put it to the test. And if it's wood, hay, stubble, not going to be anything left. If I kept this on it, put it to fire, guess what? All the wood stuff you see up here is gone. No, we don't have smoke detectors in here, so we're good. <laughs> you guys get nervous about the craziest things. You know, believe me, I came up here yesterday and practiced, and there were people up there, and I said, okay, if I yell and the building goes on fire, I'll let you know. Um, it's it. It's going to be burned up. On the other hand, I do this all day long. 
Why? It's going to survive the test. That's paint burning off. Why? Because I've invested in something that has eternal value for the glory of God. The Easter story is about a stone, Jesus Christ, who came as a foundation for life, and the Pharisees rejected him. Hear me this morning. If you're here this morning, and this is you, your foundation is anything other than Jesus Christ. The Bible says that when you stand before God and he puts it to the test, since you rejected him as your foundation, since you rejected him as your cornerstone, You've got nothing. Because your good works and all of your stuff, when put to the test, doesn't survive. And because you rejected Christ here, you have given him no choice but to reject you. Well, God's a loving God. God's a loving God. That's what Easter's all about. He came to the cross to die for you. You don't go to hell because... Of him, you go to hell because you rejected him as your savior. You rejected a free gift. That's why. And if you're here this morning and you're like the Pharisees, where you're rejecting him as a cornerstone and a foundation of your life, this is the only other option before a holy, righteous God. There's some of you here this morning, you're like me, you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. There's no question that you're trusting Christ for yourself. You hear my question to you, what are you building? Because you have to ask yourself, what am I doing all of this for? Is it for the glory of God? Is it so that whatever I go through in my life, Christ can be glorified, whether it's good or bad or, or, or happy or sad? Or am I in it for me? God, you take care of me. How many of your prayers are about you? Versus how many of your prayers are about God? Because you see, if you're building it all about you, when God puts this to the test, guess what? This is what Corinthians says. Saved. So is by fire. You stand before an almighty God in Christ, but with nothing. Versus this person who, when it's put to the test, survives. And God looks at it and says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you rule. I'm going to do some incredible things. Thank you for doing it for me. The Easter story is about a stone. Is it the stone that rolled away? Yes. But it's also about the stone the builders rejected. So I come this morning with this idea, with this question for you. What have you done with Jesus? If you're trying to build your life on anything other than Jesus Christ as the foundation, you need to know it doesn't work. 
that on the, ultimately on that day when we stand before God, it will all be revealed. And the Pharisees rejected Jesus Christ and built their life. Was it a bunch of good things they tried to do? Yes, it was. But nothing that lasts. Everything stands or falls based on that foundation. Hear me this morning. As a pastor, I've been at this almost 40 years now. I get a front row seat to life. I have watched people who have built a life like this when the storms of life come. And I've watched people who this is all they have when the storm of life come. And, and this helps, but not near like that does. And the saddest thing in my, my job is when I have to watch people try to handle the storms of life with a foundation that doesn't do anything for them. I beg you, Please have Christ as your foundation. What's amazing to me is, I, again, as I, as I watch this, as I, you've watched it play out this year. You've watched people with all of these different kind of foundations try to handle this world. And, and it's one of the reasons right now we have, we have all kinds of, uh, of statistics now that are going off the charts whether it be opiate addiction, whether it be depression, whether it be suicide, whether it be um, domestic abuse, whether it be, it's going off the charts because people have had to handle life and they're not equipped for it because they don't have a foundation that's sourced in Jesus Christ. Please, please look at the foundation you have for your life this morning. You go, look, this whole church thing is like overwhelming to me. You know, I, the last thing I thought was I'm going to come to a place the guy's going to start burning stuff on fire. Um, <laughs> like I say, you know, we're a little crazy, but if I'll do what I need to do to get my point across within reason. Um, please hear me this morning. The Easter story is about hope. The Easter story is about a God who loves you so much, like the girl sang about, that he said, I will offer this foundation to anyone who wants it. Anyone who wants it. 16-year-old kid, Detroit, Michigan. I said, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I can't make it to heaven on my own. I don't want to try to build something that's going to try to please you because it'll all fall short. But Lord, I do understand that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I need a foundation for my life. So Lord, I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that you provided a, a salvation for me, that you took care of my sin. So as best as I know how, Lord, I'm asking you, forgive me of my sin. I'm committing my life to you. Now, at that time, I didn't know it was going to have anything to do with being a preacher. Okay? I, I just wanted to be saved. And I said, Lord, as best as I know how, I'm asking you to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Be my Savior. From that point on, 
a foundation was laid for my life. Now, I would love to tell you that this is what I'm building. This is what I'm trying to build. But you ought to know, some of my life has got this stuff in there too. My goal is to start getting rid of more of this and doing more of that. And I will spend my life doing this. You go, well, not me. I got it all together. Well, then you come up and preach. (laughs) Because my wife will tell you, I struggle. Just like all of us. But you know what? Here's what I do know. This is my foundation. And I struggle in my world to try as best as I can to do things for the honor and glory of God. Not for myself. That's what Easter is all about. If you're here this morning and you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, you don't have that foundation. Here's, here's the incredible thing about here's the incredible thing about Easter. God offers it to anyone. Forgiveness of sin, family of God, the whole the whole shebang. He offers to you if you will simply accept His gift. Well, I think I can make it on my own. Okay. If you think for a minute, just just push the Bible aside, push history aside, push it all aside for a second. Let me ask you one simple question. Do you think if there was any other way to God, Jesus Christ would have still gone to the cross? That's why when he came, he said, I'm the only way, the only truth, the only life. No one, none, no one gets to God without me as a foundation. It is our prayer. It is my prayer that everyone here understand this. What you do with it is between you and God. But I challenge you, please, don't try to do it some other way. Put your faith and trust in Christ. We can have every head bowed, every eye closed. Before I pray, before I close the service in prayer, I know some of you, this is just all overwhelming. But if you're here this morning and you genuinely want to put your faith and trust in Christ, I want to make sure you understand it's not complicated. It's not about being a part of this church. It's not about us signing you up for something. And It's about you and God. If you're here this morning and you want to make sure that Christ is that foundation, you can pray while you're sitting there. Pray a prayer in your heart that goes something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And I know I need a Savior. And Lord, as best as I know how, I'm asking that you would forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart, Lord. Be my Lord and Savior. Let me have you as a foundation of my life. Amen. It's that simple. It's that simple. A thief on a cross could never give a dime. He could never go to church. He could never do anything for anybody else. But he put his faith and trust in Christ, and Christ said, today you'll be with me in paradise. He made it that simple. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Lord, it's easy sometimes to get so wrapped up in all of this stuff that we miss you. Lord, there are some here this morning that never put their faith and trust in Christ. Lord, may this be the day. 
that they join your family, that they understand that there is a purpose, a foundation, a way to go forward, Lord, with you rather than on their own. Lord, for those who are here this morning who have put their faith and trust in Christ, Lord, we're struggling to try to honor you in all we say and do. Would you help us? Help us to keep a check on our motives, on why we do what we do. Help us to keep a check on the way that we act and react towards those that you put in our path. And Lord, for others who maybe they've just gotten sidetracked, Lord, and life has, uh, they put their faith and trust in you, but life started to become about them. Lord, would you help them to see the futility of that when we stand before you? So Lord, use us today. Uh, Help us to live it differently, to do our lives differently, Lord, to honor you in all we say and do this week. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Um, Let's stand together. We're going to sing the first and the third verse, Our God Reigns.